All right, friends, welcome aboard another episode of White Collar Crimes, where we show you the only color that truly matters in the criminal justice system is green. Hope you're all having a good summer so far, good Labor Day, uh, getting ready to ease into fall. Um, and just to show you uh, that uh, just what I said a second ago is certainly the case in our criminal justice system. The only color that does matter truly when you get rallied down to it is green. Purdue Pharma is who we're going to talk about tonight. And that may not ring a bell right out of the gate for a lot of you, but I promise you, you are all very familiar with their products that they manufacture. They are known and famous for the manufacture of Oxycontin and uh, a lot of other highly addictive opioids. Probably didn't see it a whole lot with the headlines with all that's going on in Afghanistan and with the uh, COVID situation. Uh, certainly not something that probably would get uh, the headlines that can compete with that, but they certainly did get a little bit of a headlines. But Purdue Pharma just had a case settled where the family, the Sackler family, who is the owner of uh, Purdue Pharma, and they were basically granted immunity from any future opioid lawsuits uh, by federal judge Robert Drain during a bankruptcy settlement uh, just recently on August 25th. Um, so in a sense, the family behind the opioid crisis will suffer really when it comes down to it, truly no liability or penalty for it anywhere near what, uh, especially when you look at the harm and what they've done to the world uh, all throughout the country. They were ordered to pay a fine, uh, penalties totaling about $4.3 billion, had to forfeit the ownership of Purdue Pharma in this case. Um, Judge Drain did note that Purdue Pharma has been driving the driving force behind what has led to a, quote, massive public health crisis. And again, I don't have to tell you, probably all of you are very well aware of how much this has impacted our country. Um, I know from my work as a probation officer and even before that as a correctional officer, I have seen firsthand just how many lives this destroys. It's countless. Um, you know, when it really gets down to it, honestly, I think there's a you could make a good case this is destroying more lives than, act, than actually uh, prescription medication. I'm sorry, illegal uh, drugs are. So... The uh, judge notes that, that they have been a driving force into we, what we do all certainly have is a public health crisis. It has been declared just that by the government you know, in the last few years. So uh, this company goes all the way back, believe it or not, to the 1890s, founded by Dr. John Purdue Gray. Um, the company's not affili affiliated with Purdue University or the Purdue Chicken Company. In the 1950s, it was sold to two brothers... Mortimer and Raymond Sackler, and they continued to uh, expand the company. And by the 1990s, the company was incorporated, and they switched their focus purely to pain management. Now, not pain management in the sense of, uh, you know, exercise and uh, you know rehab, physical rehabilitation, things like that. No, they went for basically the painkiller market, and they began to manufacture a lot of drugs, as I mentioned a second ago. Oxycodone, uh, fentanyl, oxycotton, codeine, hydrocodone, all these famous uh, opioids that are known, you know, painkillers, but also known to be extremely addictive. And it's a well-known fact that these drugs are highly addictive. Some such as uh, fentanyl can actually be lethal. 
even in a very, very small dose. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the comparisons on Facebook and whatnot, just how small of a dose of fentanyl it takes to be lethal. And it's extremely small, but a very dangerous and lethal drug. Only uh, once Purdue found that they were willing to uh, get doctors to push these meds, pretty much that's when the opioid crisis was born. The Sackler family, they were known to kind of entice and draw doctors in with free trips to their seminars and uh, paid speaking engagements. Well, you know, which doctor or anybody else that matters not going to want a nice free trip, maybe to a nice resort, a nice chance to uh, get a paid gig, speak and endorse something. I mean, people endorse products all the time when they're paid for it, and that's pretty much what this family did to get it going. And it's going to be hard to really address this issue. I think it, that issue is almost like the workman's comp issue. I've said before, back when I was involved in uh, holding office, years ago I testified at, a, at an Illinois uh, house, I'm sorry, Illinois house situation where they uh, took into account basically testimony from different people around the area about how the workman's comp abuse had impacted their businesses. I represented the city at the time that... I was the mayor of, and you know, certainly it took a toll on our finances. But they uh, made a note that, uh, you know, it discontinues regardless. And I made the statement there that it is pretty much going to always be a problem as long as you have unethical people that are willing to file bogus BS cases and ambulance chasing attorneys that are more than willing to take these cases on. It's not going to stop either way. Uh, you compare these uh, ethics to these cases, and it's similar uh, with the case of the Sackler family and these uh, big pharmacy companies. Uh, as long as you got doctors willing to peddle their pills, so to speak, we're going to have this problem, especially if they're willing to peddle pills like this that are extremely addictive and dangerous. In 2007, uh, by this time, some lawsuits had been stacking up, and they start having a little bit of trouble. In 2007, they pled guilty to misleading the public about OxyContin's addictive nature. Now, we've seen this before. You know, the tobacco industry's downplayed over the years the addictive nature of their product, and it's uh, no different here. They uh, downplayed the addictive nature of OxyContin, and they were ordered to pay about a $600 million fine back then. No jail time, though. Uh, the company's president, chief counsel, and chief medical doctor took individual P pleas and paid fines totaling around 35 million but again no jail time the other executives in the company also took a felony plea only to receive about 400 hours of community service in drug treatment programs and for the hat trick here once again no jail time and again that's unfortunately all too often a theme we do see in these type of cases and it continues here People that can easily afford big fines, that's what they end up getting stuck with, uh, but almost never do they end up actually serving time in jail. So unfortunately, Appalachia, which you know isn't actually too far from where I'm at, and a lot of the southern states in the United States, these are the parts of the country that have uh, been hit some of the hardest by this opioid crisis through uh, addictions, and unfortunately, a lot of overdose, overdoses and deaths. Um, 
Also in 2007, this company paid a $24 million settlement with the state of Kentucky. Again, especially eastern Kentucky is you're getting into the Appalachia area and, uh, you know, very poor area. And, you know, this abuse, unfortunately, is very common in that part of the country. And, uh, you know, certainly it caused the state of Kentucky uh, a health care crisis. And this company parts with, you know, a $24 million settlement, which with the amount of money they're making is, you know, like probably paying a small uh, parking ticket. But according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse, 50,000 people in the U.S. have died of opioid-related overdoses since or in 2019. And they referenced a CDC estimate that opioids cost the nation almost $80 billion per year related to health care, uh, lost productivity, treatment, and criminal justice involvement. So let me back that up again. $80 billion is how much this health care crisis related just to opioids, opioids is costing us. And I know, like I said, I know for a fact how much, you know, it costs just the criminal justice system alone, just from my experience in that. You know, like I said, I've been a probation officer for many years. I have uh, also been, uh, you know, a correctional officer for a lot of years before that. I've seen tons of people come through that have been addicted to these type of uh, medications and willing to steal and commit other types of crimes to feed their habits. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they are sent into treatment programs that the government has to pay the cost of, you know, uh, lost productivity. A lot of people that are addicted to these drugs are certainly not on their game, so to speak, so they can show up to work and lead a productive life. So it costs us overall. But if you really want to put a dollar amount on it, that's how much it's costing us right now. And they also note in this study that opioid abuse also usually evolves into heroin abuse. Um... In fact, they estimate about 80% of heroin users first began using prescription opioids. And I'm not surprised it's not even a little bit higher than that. Uh, I know for a fact heroin can be a very serious, addictive, and dangerous drug. I have had people on my caseload uh, in my probation, especially when I was doing adult cases, that have overdosed and died from this uh, deadly disease. When I was studying at the University of Cincinnati at my graduation, back when I was getting my master's, I spoke to a, a, a professor that I had there, and he even pointed out that uh, when we were talking about how deadly the heroin problem is, he said more people were dying in Cincinnati of heroin overdoses than actual uh, gang violence, people being shot and killed by rival gangs. More people were dying from the heroin needle than that. That's how serious that problem is. So are opioids really the gateway drug? I mean, we all certainly marijuana gets called that a lot. Um, certainly also alcohol gets called that a lot because alcohol certainly where a lot of teenagers start, first start their drinking and breaking into some type of mild substance abuse. It usually starts with uh, alcohol, but it progresses a little and unfortunately it progresses to a lot of serious things. But it's time we start looking at that. Maybe it is some truth to that. Maybe opioid opioids are the true gateway drug before people unfortunately graduate into the more serious type of hard drugs, you know, your heroines and things of that sort like we just discussed. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, they state that about 10.1 million people abused, misused opioids this past year. 1.6 million of these were first-time abusers. Now, you think about it, if we've got 1.6 million people 
even out of 330 million people roughly each year that are doing this stuff for the first time, as addictive as it is, think about the vicious circle and cycle this is going to put this country through in trying to get a handle on this. And also keep in mind, people like Purdue Pharma here are making beyond a fortune on this addiction and misery that they are putting out there. Now, I'm not, you know, the, they are the focus on this issue because of how, once again, they got a slap on the wrist despite almost destroying the country. But uh, they certainly aren't the only ones that have been peddling some of these products, but uh, they certainly were one that was leading the way for it. But we got to start looking at uh, how are we going to get a handle on this? Because again, if we got this many new people coming in every year that are getting addicted and trying these things for the first time, oftentimes, you know, very little tries, few tries at all will get you addicted to these type of medications. How are we going to get a handle on that? And with these new abusers always coming in and the older ones, the ones that have been at it a while, not getting a handle on it. Folks, this is going to evolve into a very serious problem. And as many of you know, if you live in a rural area, pretty much like what I do, we're some of the hardest hit areas in the country. And on top of that, we have very limited resources when it comes to treatment and rehabilitation. Again, I know through my work as a probation officer, I struggle to find sometimes available facilities and programs and things in rural areas like what I live in uh, to get out there for people because you just don't have the available resources there it's difficult even in more urban type areas but certainly in rural areas which again is the hardest hit areas when it comes area when it comes to this type of problem that's where you unfortunately have the least amount of resources available at you some at some point but these addictions you know like I said they're extremely difficult to break as it is and without the proper resources and help to do it it's going to be even harder to do. And the human Health and Human Services, they also disclose about $9 billion in grants have been distributed to try to help for treatment, which is very good. But you think about that $9 million that's being used to help a problem that costs us roughly $80 billion. Again, we're just kind of digging ourselves in a hole. And, you know, a hole we may not be able to get out of. And they also say about 1.27 million Americans are getting treatment for these addictions right now, which is good. Unfortunately, a lot of them have a very long and difficult road ahead of them. Uh, you know, if, like I've told before, if you've dealt with anyone that's had an addiction like this, you certainly know. Or if you're even listening and if you've been through an addiction like this yourself, you know the hard, difficult road that is ahead for people who are struggling with these types of problems. Um, but Purdue Pharma... Stackler family, they certainly, like I said, aren't the only ones that have profited from this crisis, and unfortunately, they won't be the last. Uh, Even though they've been taken out of the game here somewhat, there'll be somebody else step up and take their place. As long as doctors are willing to prescribe these pills and people are willing to take them and abuse them, somebody's going to profit big time off this and will continue to profit big time off this. And most likely, just like the Sackler family here, nobody will see a day in jail for it. Think about how many people that you know maybe that have just peddled a little small amount of marijuana or, you know, a small amount of other types of drugs that have done some serious years in hard time. But because they're not billionaires and they're not well-connected and, and wealthy and powerful like the CEOs of, you know, like pharma, Purdue Pharma, they end up skating on it and they get out of it. And 
you know, that's wrong. But again, like I said at the beginning of the show, if you have enough green, you can get out of almost anything in our system, unfortunately. And that's how it works here. And, they, you know, Purdue Pharma had the green and nobody's seeing a day in jail for it. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's unfortunately how it is. But, you know, hopefully someday down the road that might change. But at right now, as long as people have money and influence like what uh, this family does, I don't see anything unfortunately changing anytime really soon um they have the fines paid they are taken care of they're you know able to go on with their own lives now and invest even though they had to give up quote unquote ownership in this company they can certainly uh, as far as i know no order says they can't go start up another one and work off of that or work behind the scenes maybe as consultants quote unquote or something to that effect and still continue to profit because even though they've been stopped in their role, so to speak, in this. There's plenty of others that have not, and this problem continues to go on, and I don't see, unfortunately, any decent relief in sight anytime soon. And uh, this will continue and continue to victimize, you know, more as we go down the road here. And at this point, I think only God can pretty much save us from this problem, and it's it's gotten, gotten that serious. But... Uh, Unfortunately, once again today, somebody is not going to pay the price for this. You have a justice system that's not really yet ready to take on and punish offenders like this, at least not to the level that what they deserve. So hopefully next time we talk, maybe some more justice will be done. But right now, once again, nobody is going to do a single day in jail for this. And that's wrong, folks. There uh, there should be somebody pay and be punished for this, but... It's just not the case. So, and we're going to talk about more cases like that down the road. How uh, justice, unfortunately, a lot of times is not done, and uh, will continue to not be done. You know, until we, you know, make the changes ourselves, and you know, get the right people involved, and elect the right prosecutors and judges and people who will properly prosecute these crimes. But it's a difficult road ahead because Green does speak and. If you've got enough of it, we'll be talking about cases like that down the road where it does. Uh, and we're going to be talking about how, you know, money has been in bad influence on uh, certain types of crimes like these white-collar crimes going back even, you know, early American history even. I plan to do an episode coming up here, especially those of you that are local in this area will like it about the uh, underground, uh, reverse underground slave uh tracking that was done in southern illinois here back by a man by the name of john crenshaw famous for the old slave house that was located in southeastern illinois even though slavery was illegal in illinois he was importing you know slaves run or freed slaves from other states in to use them as slave labor in his salt mines and was making a good profit at one time was considered i think the richest man in illinois going to be talking about that and I don't think, to my knowledge, back then, even he spent a day in jail for some things. So it's an all-too-often theme that we do see. Uh, you know, we have talked about some cases on here where Stuart Parnell, Bernie Madoff, a few of them there that we've seen that, that got their just desserts and, and did their time in prison. But more times than not, folks, it, uh, it just doesn't always happen. And, uh, you know, we've got to fight to try to change that. So, I've always, as always, thank you for joining this and hope you'll be able to catch us again real soon. Uh, like I always say, like our Facebook page, White Collar Crimes. If you want to donate, there's a donate link on the website on 
this show and also on the uh, Anchor FM where we're broadcasting out of. You can donate through there. But more importantly, like I always say, we just want you to tune in. We like having you aboard, help us build our audience and help get the word out because these type of crimes just don't get the headlines that uh, they should be getting. And uh, that's a sad thing. So help us spread the word on that. And as always, we do thank you for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you down the road on the next one. God bless and take care, everybody.